Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Transcasting, your source for transgender news and discussions. Today is February 9th, 2024, and I'm your host, Miranda, together with Bridget and Kai, and let's jump right in. All right, everyone. My name is Kai. My pronouns are he, him. And today I'm going to be reading a an article from NBC News. It is called Utah Official Faces Calls to Resign After Falsely Suggesting Teen Girl is Transgender. So a Utah board school member named Natalie Klein is facing widespread backlash and calls to resign her position after she shared a post on social media that appeared to suggest that a 16-year-old girl on a high school basketball team in Salt Lake County was transgender. The social media post featured a photo of the 16-year-old with the caption, quote, girls basketball, dot, 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 end quote. Klein deleted the post after it received many comments condemning Klein for falsely suggesting the young girl was transgender because she indeed was not transgender, as well as comments uh, that were derogatory against the 16-year-old. Klein apologized in a Facebook post on Wednesday, acknowledging that her post created a firestorm around the teenager and that derogatory comments about the player were made by several commenters. So I'm going to read a couple of quotes uh, from her apology on Facebook that I felt were quite noteworthy and could really bring about some interesting discussion. So the first one, she says, my original post never claimed the student was a boy. For those who are still claiming is a boy, please know that several people I know and trust have reached out to me who personally know this girl and have vouched that she is in fact a biological girl and always has been since birth. She, she does have a larger build like her parents. End quotes. So that's the first one. The second thing she said that I thought was interesting was, we live in strange times when it is normal to pause and wonder if people are what they say they are because of the push to normalize transgenderism in our society. And so the young girl's father, Al Vanderbeek, uh, said about, about his daughter, uh, she cut her hair short because that's how she feels comfortable. She wears clothes that are a little baggy. She goes to the gym all the time, so she's got muscles. Her mother, Rachel Vanderbeek, defended her daughter's appearance by saying, as I encouraged her, then she started to blossom and her personality started to come out. Governor Spencer Cox and Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson, both Republicans, denounced Klein on Wednesday saying she had embarrassed the state of Utah and the State Board of Education. And they also said the last thing our children need is an elected official harassing them on social media. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Bridget. Can I talk about this? Please. I, 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 I feel like I'm pretty jaded. Think news stories don't shock me, but this one shocked me. <laughs> <laughs> How come? Well, okay. Okay, we have... Okay. We have a member of the Board of Education singling out a child for criticism on a public forum. Forget about the rest of the story. She singled out a child for criticism, right? I mean, it is wild. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they had her back straight or not. It doesn't matter what the issues are and what side they're on. Like, even before this is a story about being changed, this is about an adult in power trying to harm a child. I just, like, to me, that's that's the story. And, um, or maybe, um, okay, I, I guess the question I'm asking myself is, what is it about opposition to transgender rights that would make somebody do something that would be so obviously wrong in any other context? Can you imagine any other circumstance under which a person could out a child for criticism and then try to explain it away with her lame excuses? I just, I'm sorry, I'm not going to say anything intelligent or rational about this because it just, it just blew my mind. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean I, my, my takeaway was that this woman cannot be a properly functioning adult, just period. Like, I like, it made such a stupid mistake. Wow. Just never, well, okay, I'm going to stop now. No, no, you're totally fine. <laughs> I, um, it's interesting. I, I like that you said that she's like probably not a proper functioning adult. And it's kind of interesting that you say that because the first thing that came to my mind was she has on her, um, 
social media posts, um, every time every time she posts something, it says, um, oh, let me find it. It's it's quite hilarious. She has in parentheses constitutionally protected speech first <laughs> above everything. And it's like it's just <laughs> I'm like, okay, like <laughs> like like okay, Natalie, like <laughs> um anyways, that's beside the point. That just made me really chuckle. That made me chuckle. Um mm -hmm. but you know, I do think that to answer your question about what is it about trans rights that really like makes people do crazy stupid things. I really do think that people see trans people as like really inherently disgusting and like gross. Like because I think and I and I and I think because we've been taught that, like we have been taught that through our media, that is how people respond to people who who mess with gender or are you know outside the fringes of what is traditionally gender. And so I I feel like it just touches a place in them that like they they can't even begin to work through transphobia like it just it wouldn't even it's it's like a it's like mount everest you know like they, they could never make that climb in my opinion yeah well, i'm thinking that it it can't be just discussed right it has to be othering you know like 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 it has to be that their disgust gives them permission to not care Here's a person whose job is to care about the school children in her state. And she's obviously somehow rationalized to herself that, well, for this particular student, I don't have to care. I, I'm excused from all the rules of civil behavior, and I can actually actively harm a student because, you know, she's so disgusting or whatever. Um, she's so just, justified. Yes. Yeah. She's, she thinks. Yeah. And. And I mean, that's just, I mean, how can you think that way, no matter how strongly you feel about an issue, to to treat other human beings as if they don't deserve basic yeah. respect? Well, I was going to say, I mean, Kai, it's kind of like the second thing you said. It's it's moved past transgenderism. It's They're just afraid of any differences besides the standard gender norm. And the movement about being transgender and accepting has been pushing standardized like gender traits away. Like, and they just can't handle that. And, and transgenderism is just like the core of that, you know? Yes, exactly. I'd really like to know what you think about um, one of the things um, Natalie Klein said, uh, in order to excuse herself from this from this gap, one of the things she said was, and this is a quote from her, in a world that sometimes uses children as human shields to push radical agendas, it has become increasingly difficult to trust and to know how to protect children without hurting children when children are the targets and victims in so much of the chaos and confusion swirling around us. I have no idea what that means. There's so many confusing parts of that sentence. It sounds like she's she's trying to decide how much she has to hurt children in order to protect children. And she's talking about people who use children as human shields. I have no idea what she's talking about. So help straighten me out here. Okay. So I read this sentence like I read what she I read this so many times. I sat with it for like at least five to ten minutes trying to unpack every 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 phrase. So let's start with the first phrase. She says, in a world that sometimes uses children as human shields to push radical agendas. So I, what I think she means here is I think she means that people who are, like the parents of trans people or people in general, are using their trans kids to, uh, as as sort of a shield to push the agenda. So like kind of putting these kids in the forefront to be like, you're, you're gonna like, <laughs> do you kind of follow what I'm saying? Like, like basically they're coming from the position of these children aren't really transgender. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Yeah. And that their parents make them that way to push the queer agenda. This com this is a common thing that comes up yeah. in regards to trans kids. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, I think guess, that's what she means by that there in that phrase. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense, but I can see why, you know, maybe some people think it. Yeah, 
I guess I've been yeah. fortunate. Most to never of the, the conservative right thinks it. They all think this, for the most okay. part. Yeah. Well, it's it's a foreign idea to me. Thanks for explaining it. They think. Yeah. Like, no. Schools are. They think schools are are telling everyone, you have to be trans. You have to be different. But it's not true at all. They're just saying it's okay if you are. It's a big difference. Big difference. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I think that first part is talking about. Let's unpack the next part, which is really confusing. <laughs> okay, she says, It has become increasingly difficult to trust and to know how to protect children without hurting children. So let's just stop there. <laughs> um, because I think that's... Because I... <laughs> That part is the part where I think most of us were like, um, what? And I think she's, I think she's talking about herself. I think she's saying the way that she's tr in, in this instance, what I think she's saying is I was trying to protect the children around this, you know, this child that I thought was a transgender girl. Right. And I accidentally hurt this child by doing that incorrectly. I think that's what she means there. I could be, I could be off on that, but I think that's what she meant. And then, and then the last part, when children are the targets and victims in so much of the chaos and confusion swirling around us, I think she's talking about the kids who are being, uh, quote unquote, forced to be trans or whatever the hell. I don't know. It um, sounds like they're swallowing their own lies. I mean, if oh, she yeah. if she's really trying to say that she's she's persecuting this this poor girl because she's trying to protect children. I, no one, no one can in their right mind can believe. I that. mean, That's look at the, the article here. Right. You are the chaos, yeah. lady. You're the chaos. <laughs> I uh, I don't want to dump on her too much. It's just I mean, thing. she created a bunch of people attacking this person and had to get corrected and stuff. That sounds like chaos to me. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. Did the article mention? Because this like hit the front page of Reddit too, and they were talking uh, about how the person in the, that she talked about had to get like escorted to school. Wow, so, that wasn't in the article. Yeah, I think it was like a later thing that came out more today. So, well, yeah, like I mean, she, she, the the yeah, the young girl faced a lot of backlash. Um, well, and so this sort of leads me, I guess, into one thing. Um, which is uh, Governor Spencer Cox denouncing uh, her, uh, Natalie Klein. And I, I was sort of like wondering what, where, what point of view was he coming from there? Um, meaning, like, why was he denouncing her? Was he denouncing her because what she said had created turmoil for this young girl? Um, or was he denouncing her because... It was like, how dare you kind of like insinuate that she's a trans girl? Like, like when, when I'm like, what's wrong with being a trans? Like, I don't know. Like, what's wrong with being a trans girl? I guess. Um, yeah. Does anyone, do you, do you all follow my train of thought here? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm thinking even people on the right can acknowledge the injustice of misgendering a cisgender oh, woman. Oh, and they have. They have been. Yeah. yeah. Which is why they're I, getting dis why she's getting disinvalued. Yeah, they're not they're not willing to acknowledge the injustice of misgendering a trans woman, but misgendering a cis woman, that's gotta be a big no no for them. Especially you put that so well. Especially yeah. when it involves kids again, you know? Exactly. Whole... Um I have a couple more things to say about this if I can. Sure. Um I also want to, I want to point out, I want to unpack her social media post for a second because her post is, it's built on the assumption that this young girl is an imposter, right? Yeah. Um, if she were a trans girl, that would actually make her a boy. So, and you can see this in, in the language that she uses. She says it's normal to wonder if people are what they say they are, Not which reinforces, normal, but right. For some, yeah. But this reinforces the narrative that trans women aren't women to further reinforce that they have an unfair advantage when there is no evidence to support that. Um, but
But then also she contradicts herself because she says, my post never claimed she was a boy. But then... Oh, I but don't buy that for a second. I know, right? And then... And then, like, on this, and then quickly says it's normal to wonder if people are what they say they are. So I'm like, which is it, Natalie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the worst kind of prevarication. You know, like, we, insinuations are lies. They, they, there's no defense. Just because you, you didn't make something explicit doesn't mean you're not guilty of, of making a claim. I, I don't think she can. I don't think anyone's going to give her a pass on that. All right. You guys want to hear about the transgender survey? Yes. Please. Okay. <laughs> All right. So in uh, 2022, a coalition of transgender advocacy groups conducted a survey of transgender people in the United States. On February 7th, this past Wednesday, they released initial results from that survey. The release document is called Early Insights, a report of the 2022 U.S. Transgender Survey. Uh, CNN covered this story and we're gonna pass along some of their reporting. So, the survey polled 92,329 binary and non-binary transgender people aged 16 and older living in the United States, its territories or its military bases. Excuse me. The survey asked questions about family life healthcare, employment, education, housing, and public accommodation. And um, it, it collected a lot of data, and here are some of the main findings. <clears throat> so regarding transition in general, 94% of people who had transitioned reported that they were more satisfied with their life than they had been before. Only 3% said they were less satisfied. Regarding hormone treatment, 98% of people receiving hormone treatment said they were more satisfied with their life than before, and less than 1% said they were now less satisfied. Regarding gender-affirming surgery, 97% of people who had had at least one form of surgery reported that they were more satisfied with their life, and less than 2% said they were less satisfied. Um, the survey also gives insight into the effect of discrimination on transgender people. 39% of respondents said that they were harassed online, and 30% reported being verbally harassed in the previous 12 months prior to the survey. All of the respondents who were still in school, K through 12, nearly 60% said they experienced mistreatment or a negative experience, including verbal harassment, physical attacks, online bullying, being denied the ability to dress according to their gender identity or expression, teachers or staff refusing to use the chosen name or pronouns, or being denied the use of restrooms or locker rooms matching their gender identity. 40% uh, of the respondents said that they have considered moving because they experienced discrimination or unequal treatment, and 10% said they had already moved. The report named the 10 states which people reportedly moved away from the most to escape discrimination. They are Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Missouri, North Carolina, Ohio, Tennessee, Texas, and Virginia. Uh, regarding law enforcement, 62% of respondents said that they were uncomfortable asking for police, asking the police for help because of their gender expression or identity. And finally, the report found that the unemployment rate among respondents was 18%, which was nearly five times the national average at the time. Um, I mentioned that the survey was conducted by a coalition of transgender advocacy groups. These include the National Center for Transgender Equality, the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition, National Queer Asian Pacific Islander Alliance, and Trans Latin Coalition. Um, the executive director of the National Center for Transgender Equality, Rodrigo Hanglenton, uh, com commented on the report saying, so often transgender people are talked about like we're a political football or mysterious, he said. Now we finally have concrete facts. We actually have some data to show what being transgender in America is really like. And that is essential because these attacks against our community 
are coming from misinformation and a lack of understanding of who we really are. So that's the story. And I'll kick off discussion by just, I want to give you know, kudos to the NCTE and the other um, organizations for doing this survey. I think this is extremely important work. Um, you know, I'm mean, speaking for myself. I think a lot of people feel the same way I do that that we are, we know that the facts are on our side and the science is on our side, but we can only legitimately feel that way if there are groups like this out there collecting the facts and doing the science. So good for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm really gl glad to have this info. Um, it, it's really nice to see the actual fact, how small the facts are for people that are unsatisfied. Um, yeah. I thought it was interesting because there was that big, um, like a New York Times opinion piece last week where uh, a lady like uh, platform detransitioners and then like cited like no sources of it made detransitioning seem bigger than it actually was and then did not really have any solid data on why that was. And it's good to have data on the side of, you know, transitioning being helpful and good for people to go through. So, I mean, there already is data too um, that shows that has a breakdown too of detransitioners and why they detransition, right? And there's there's a there's a large percentage of those of that very very small per percentage of people who detransition that do because they felt unsupported and they or it was too difficult to live yeah. their true selves because of discrimination and um, harassment. So the ones who detransition because it truly wasn't right for them or because it you know it, it's even smaller than the percentage that we have which is like one percent um but i think it and so that's and i say that because i i i looked at the preliminary um report of this um of all of these uh, of this survey and was trying to look for trying to look for those breakdowns to see do we know why these particular um these people were less satisfied with their life. Cause I bet if we broke those down, we would find really interesting results. Yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah. I would be curious to know if there's going to be a larger report released about uh, if they have more like kind of qualitative data um, from those people who responded. Well, um, yeah, I don't think they've published um, things to that level of detail yet. This was just, what do they call it? Early insights. Right. Um, but to be clear, the numbers we're seeing are, are remarkably low for people who who yeah. you know regret regret transitioning or getting yeah. surgeries or taking hormone treatment. I mean, once you're down to the you know one, two, three percent of of dissatisfaction, sure, you want to do everything you can to reduce that more. But those are just golden numbers. I mean, yeah. so many procedures and <laughs> treatments would die for that. You know, for the for the satisfaction levels that that you know transgender people report, um, so so yeah, certainly let's let's pick apart the three percent and find out if it's it's really lower you know in practice. But um, but but I think already this survey is arming us with facts that are sufficient to defeat you know, the, these these foolish arguments about how we have to protect transgender people from the dangers and from the future regret they're going to feel. I, we've known for a long time that those are invalid arguments, and now we just have some numbers. Yeah. Um, well, we've, we've had similar numbers in the past, but now we have yet more numbers to to just, um, you know, shoot those down. Uh, this is, this was uh, the, you know, more than 90,000 people. It's, uh, as far yeah. as I know, that's the biggest survey of transgender people ever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really curious to know how the these the 60 percent, you know, in the schools were experiencing mistreatment, because um, I imagine that plays a big role across the board and like detransitioning and everything, you know, and the, even the ability to come out, because I know from my I'd really like to see what it's like in school nowadays. I imagine it varies greatly, like where you're living. Um, yeah. And where the, how the general like stigma towards transgenderism is in that area, because I imagine that plays a big role since kids are impressionable. And if they live in an area that's very anti 
transgender and like anti alternate gender expression, they're probably much more likely to make fun and, you know, like uh, cause problems for someone that's trying to do that. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just looking at with my experience, you know, it was kind of like, cause I didn't come out until I was 30 and I feel like I kind of knew around like 12 ish, but I just really kept it bottled up for years and years. And it was more just like, there was no talking about it when I was a kid, except for like the very small situations where it was like the butt of a joke in like a movie or a TV show or something. That, that was it. Like there was almost no, none of this stuff. And I'm just curious how crazy it, it might be today just with kids hearing all this like pros and cons of supporting it or not supporting it. You know, it's just all over the media. And I wonder if it's just causing a lot of just like tension and bullying and stuff. It's like kicking back down. Yeah. I, I applaud your instincts to want to look deeper into these numbers. And my guess is that, um, these organizations will follow up with deeper analyses of these numbers um, because um, kind of as you alluded to, um, if we know, if we can break down the 60% of, of trans kids who felt you know, mistreated in school, if we can start to associate that with the political trends in the schools, then eventually we can make the case that you know, this trans legislation hurts kids. I mean, we all know that it does, but here are some facts yeah. that support it. And, and you know, likewise with, um, with uh, you know, the transgender community's relationship to the police, and likewise with the unemployment rate. You know, the, the, the real long-term promise of survey like, surveys like these is that it can start to draw correlations between, you know, um, social activity, the, 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 the laws and the institutional treatment of, of uh, the transgender community can draw a correlation between that and the actual outcomes of transgender people in terms of their health and their employment and their um, their state of mind and things like that. So, so yeah, I think I think it's typical for a big survey like this to to um, first get preliminary results released to sort of whet your appetite and sort of get people to you know speculate on on what they can do with the data and then over the next year or so we'll probably see other reports that go into more detail um but we'll, we'll keep tuned we'll, we'll report it if it happens yeah because i think the these numbers are great i'm not taking away anything from the numbers i guess i just also am like numbers means creates a story right like we can really get down to the bottom of things with this data um, and I just, I really look forward to knowing more, um, because I think there's much more to be said about the numbers. Um, speaking of numbers, I looked at, as I said, I looked at the whole preliminary report and I found what wasn't in the article was, um, they, they reported on the family, family life and what that's, that's like. And what shocked me was that families immediate and extended were largely supportive of people, um, which I thought was really interesting. So in immediate family, it's 67% for adults were, were supportive. Um, and I think that's amazing. And I, cause I gen genuinely thought the number that number would be lower. And so to see that there was large support from families, um, is pretty great. Uh, and not surprisingly only 27%, um, in the 16 to 17 year old range, were were family supportive, so there's a lot less family uh, support for their for teenagers, which is, um, oh. you know, sad. But um, I also wondered, you know, we have these because because the, this was reports on um, those who were out to their families. So I was like, okay, well, I wonder how many trans people who are not out to their families because they know that they will be unsupportive and that data is that a data counted accounted for at all like is there anything going to be said about that i'm, I'm just curious um yeah, well, we'll see. yeah. yeah we'll regarding the high level of support from families i guess i guess i only have an anecdotal understanding of this but you know i've heard that in general um people are a lot more supportive of the transgender community, if they know somebody in the transgender community, you know, mm -hmm. that, that it's not even necessarily being a family member, just, just knowing someone who's transgender 
makes you far more likely to be supportive of trans rights. And so it follows then, you know, I think, I think what a lot of families go through is that, you know, whether they're supportive or, supportive or not, in theory, they become supportive once they, once they discover that their child is transgender or another family member is transgender. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wonder I'll, I'll tell you the number that, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that makes me curious. Um, cause I feel like that really happened with my family or at least it's happening oh, yeah. still, but I think it would have been really interesting to see if I'd come out when I was still a minor. Cause I think there would have been no way I think they would have like held me, stopped me from doing it. I think it would have been impossible. The only reason why I was able to do it was cause they couldn't do anything cause I was too old. So they, yeah. it's my choice, you know, but I think, one of the things that's like so lost and i might have mentioned this before um but none of the side that's pushing against like transgenderism and like especially for minors and stuff understand the repercussions that they're doing by restricting the stuff for minors because you're just putting a greater burden on everything for them in their life not only their mental health from being not being able to like match with their like gender identity but the like biological effects that not having like hormone blockers and being on the hormones for your preferred gender identity would cause you're just you're making everything much more expensive and much more time consuming and harder on the person down the line and it, like they don't think about that at all they think everything is like instant you know like you just go get the surgery yeah. you just like it and it's no yeah that's wouldn't it be great if they had a question in the survey? Do you regret not starting your transition sooner? Mm, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I think everyone would, what the at some level <laughs> would like. So yeah. Okay, I, I want to leave this, but but I want to ask: Did either of you notice that um, thirty percent of the survey respondents identified as non-binary? Which um, I'm going to guess didn't come as a big surprise to any of us because we're all members of the trans community. We have non-binary friends, but I'm going to predict that that's going to that's going to maybe cause the most um, you know shock amongst the general population because I think um, you know as, as as tumultuous it is you know for for um, you know trans women and trans men to be um, scrutinized by the general population. I think non-binary um, folks, um, they, they're mostly ignored by the general population. And I think that they shouldn't be. I think this survey, you know, if they, if they choose to focus on that aspect of it, this survey can really open people's eyes about the, um, the number of, of non-binary people we have living in society. Mm. Yeah. 38% is a, that's big. That's a large portion. Um, so I think that's, I think it's awesome to be able to uh, put them more on a platform. Yeah. yeah. So our next story comes from ABC. On Thursday, Dozen showed up to a hearing to condemn the Women's Bill of Rights in West Virginia, stating that the bill actually offers no further rights to women and instead aims to restrict transgender people. The bill would find that a person's sex is determined at birth and may not be substituted, as well as establishes that Sex-separated environments are not discriminatory. It also states that equal does not mean the same with respect to sex equality. A trans university student, Max Varney, had this to say on the bill. I stand before you as a transgender person in West Virginia. I'm not a threat to the public, nor is my existence offensive. The bill is dehumanizing. It is unjust and it is disgusting. Why am I not supposed to be considered a person too? I am here today to show you that trans people in West Virginia are real. I am real. I exist and I deserve to be treated with humanity. The bill also lacks any details on enforcement or penalties and fails to address issues such as abortion, reproductive care, or child care. An equal pay clause was also rejected by the House Committee, citing it as non-pertinent. Molly Kennedy, the Community Outreach Director for American Civil Liberties Union, West Virginia Chapter said, we don't need a women's bill of rights to know this legislature feel how this legislature feels about women. She said it's appalling and offensive. This is another bill that's for helping women that is doing nothing for them and just oppressing transgender people. 
Um, yeah, I think the term is Orwellian. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, what is peace? What were the other ones? Um, work is leisure, you know? Yeah, so we have, we have a bill that's being called the Women's Bill of Rights, but sort of suspiciously doesn't include any protection of women's rights, like equal pay or access to reproductive care. Um, but instead, somehow manages to restrict the rights of a whole category of women. Okay? Yeah, those are non-permanent. So, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I don't have much to say. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I, or, I, I, um, I do Orwellian. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I'm kind of interested in both of your opinions on on this thought that I have because I I don't know I'm still I think I'm still working through it myself um I think there might be I think there are two kinds of transphobic people and perhaps there are more obviously but these are the two that I kind of feel exist um which are those who truly believe that they are helping women by stopping trans people this may not be the best example uh <laughs> but I think that because this, this really does feel just like deceitful but um in this sense I, I do think that there are some people that really think that they are helping women like like in the case of you know bathrooms right like oh i don't want a trans i don't want a person like posing as a trans person to come in and hurt a uh, hurt a cisgender woman um but then i think there are other kinds that where this is an example of who really don't like trans people really want to stop trans people and are being deceitful um, about how they go about that um and i'm curious if either of you have any thoughts about that at all I, for me i think it's the with the whole bathroom thing it just goes back to like if someone really wanted to do something they would just do it anyway regardless of their their gender identity so this like attack on transgender people that they are like going to be more of offenders than anyone else is completely misguided and just wrong. You know, it's just, and I was going to say also with regard to your like first point, I think the people that believe that have been largely affected by the rhetoric coming from the second group, you know, so maybe they actually believe that they're helping people, but their belief comes or stems from this false narrative that's being pushed to just drive up a, like a hive mind, like outcry or something like that. You know? Yeah. I kind of, I agree with Miranda on this one. I have a hard time judging people based on their intent because intent is so malleable and it's so, it's so easy to disguise. Um, I find it much more useful to evaluate people on process. Are they, are they act, are they, are they um, being demagogues? Are they, appealing to emotion? Are they, you know, using anecdotes or um, false evidence to justify their positions? Um, or alternatively, are they using science and facts and, you know, well-founded social policy to, to justify their decisions? Um, to me, that's kind of the dividing line that I want to see. And so clearly here, you know, they're, they're justifying policies based off of you know, um, hysterical theories of how women can be harmed by transgender people. So, so to me, that's enough to disqualify this as as reasonable legislation. Um, once you start judging, once you start judging intent, I feel like it's kind of quicksand. It's, you know, you never want to you never want to accuse someone of acting in bad faith. Um, I, I try always to give people the benefit of the doubt as much as possible and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to assume you really believe what you're saying here. It's ridiculous that this is, but, um, but, but I'd like to have an evaluation system that doesn't rely on, on what someone's intent is and just evaluates them based off of, you know, the, the, the quality of their procedure, the quality of their reasoning, mm -hmm. let's put it that way. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I guess I guess I bring it up not necessarily to I bring it up to to say there are there are the types that you could potentially engage in changing their mind. Mm. 
and there are the kinds that you're not going to get anywhere. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like, and I think the first category I was talking about, I feel that, that don't really know that they are their that their thinking is, is coming from the second category. Um, I think those people, they're mis they're misguided. I think that we can, I think there is a way to, to engage them. Um, and help them see that their reasoning is flawed because they just don't see it's flawed. And and obviously, it still affects people negatively. But it's like, well, if we can if we can find and target these people in a way that is like, how can we have an open conversation? Perhaps they can get to a place that would you know be passionate to help us rather than against go against us. Yeah. Um... Have you ever heard that saying, you you can't reason someone out of a position that they didn't reason themselves into? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so unfortunately, so much of the belief system of, you know, the right and the Republicans and the anti-trans people doesn't come from reason, whether they're sincere or not in their beliefs. Those beliefs weren't formed through rational analysis of the facts. It was formed through, you know, indoctrination and, and religious beliefs and um, through, you know, crazy libertarian theories or whatever. I don't know. I don't know these days yeah. you know, what, what to call these ideas. But um, but yeah, so so I think I think this is this is almost the trap that that a lot of the, you know, the left has fallen into in America over you know the past decade or so. You know, all we need to do is is show people how terrible, you know, Trump is and these, these Republicans' ideas are. We've got reason on our side. All we need to do is find the rational people on the other side and have a, a good talk with them. And I think time and time again, we find that that doesn't work because they didn't reason themselves into these positions. So we're not going to reason them out of it. Um, well, so, I don't think we yeah. should use reason to reason them out of it. I think a lot of what's happening is these people are projecting something onto this issue that has nothing to do with trans people or, or with anything. It has something to do emotionally with themselves. Like there's something happening that they're projecting that's creating uh, harm. And I, I see this with a lot of my, I've seen this, I see this with some of my family members and I'm like, this has nothing to do with trans people. This has something to do deeply with something else. And I think that, I mean, obviously that's, that's work for a therapist, but I, <laughs> yeah, but I just, wanted, say, yeah. Don't reason with them. Get them mental health care. <laughs> yes, that's kind of what I think I'm trying to say. Is like you need to work through something. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it comes back to like one of the biggest arguments I ever had with my dad was he he was saying it's all about you. It's your thing. You and he, but but then when he was telling me this, he was saying all his problems with it like it's gonna he was so worried it was gonna hurt his like business people were gonna and like all of his stuff and i was like do you listen to what you're saying you're saying all about you not me you're saying all the problems that for you that this makes like and and then he was like oh and it kind of like shut him up this is kind of not super related to what i just said but i also wanted to say personally as someone you know that grew up like I think my family is full of, of people. They claim to be liberals. They're all in education, except for my dad, who claims he was conservative. But I definitely feel like our family leaned conservative, and I did too a little bit for a long time. And I just feel like in this day and age, it's becoming harder and harder to find someone that's rational on the conservative side. It's just gone too far. Uh, I don't know what else to say about about it, but there's just so many things that are just i don't see how you could sit on that side and think it's rational that's all yeah yeah on to um do the next story sounds good yes our next uh, news story comes from the associated press and it is about recent events in the state of south dakota in 2022 a transgender advocacy group called the transformation project was awarded a contract by the state of South Dakota. The contract was for the transformation project to provide a community health worker in exchange for a $136,000 
state-administered federal grant. Uh, in fulfillment of its contract, the Transformation Project appointed someone to the position of community health worker. That worker helps transgender people to find shelter, housing, and employment. He also helps transgender people with legal paperwork and with transportation to appointments. As part of its broader mission, the Transformation Project offers help for LGBTQ plus people and their families, including suicide prevention, help navigating healthcare and social services, and education on the topic of gender identity. So the state's contract with the Transformation Project seemed to come as a surprise to South Dakota's Governor Christy Noem, who was asked about it by a conservative website in December of 2022. A spokesperson for Nome said that the governor was not aware of the contract, did not authorize it, and did not support the organization's work. Shortly after that, the contract was canceled. The spokesperson claimed that the transformation project had not complied with the contract term. Last year, the transformation project sued the state for improperly terminating its contract. The lawsuit was resolved in a settlement that was announced on February 5th, this last Monday. As a settlement, the state of South Dakota has apologized to the Transformation Project and agreed to pay it $300,000. The apology was read by South Dakota's Secretary of Health and said, on behalf of the state of South Dakota, I apologize that the Transformation Project contract was terminated and for treating the Transformation Project differently than other organizations awarded community health worker contracts. I want to emphasize that all South Dakotans are entitled to equal treatment under the law, regardless of their race, color, national origin, religion, disability, age, or sex. South Dakota is committed to ensuring that no person is excluded from participation in, denied the benefits of, or subject to discrimination under any program, activity, or service that it provides. South Dakota's Governor Kristi Noem has signed bills restricting transgender kids from participating in school sports and prohibiting gender-affirming care for transgender people under the age of 18. Long story short, um, the state of South Dakota in illegally broke a contract with a transgender advocacy group, got sued, lost, was forced to apologize and pay out a big sum of money. What do you guys think? It's good that they lost and they're paying a big sum of money, but it's bad that this stuff like this happens in the first place. Definitely. I, I don't know. I, I hear about things like this and they seem so, like, there seems to be such an obvious, like, more good guy in fact. How do you, how do how do you, how can Christy Noem think she's the good guy in this story, right? We have a group that's helping people find shelter, housing, and employment, and is doing suicide people, and is helping people to get health care and social services. And then on the other side, we have the governor who literally breaks the contract just to prevent them from doing those things. I mean, what does she tell herself to make sure thinks she's doing the right thing in this story? I don't know. It kind of goes... I, you know, goes back okay. to what I just said about it's really hard to find a rational conservative person these days. I just feel like rationale has really gone out of the window over there. Yeah. So. I mean, her her fucked up rationale is that she's helping um to stop the trans movement and trans people from transitioning. Um specifically minors and also to to kind of shed some light on this i thought there this was it was really interesting i was reading a book a while ago for my um my my master's thesis and it's a book called ties that bind i highly recommend it it's by sarah schuster she talks about she talks primi primarily about familial homophobia um but she talked about homophobia and she really looked into it and found out that it is a pleasure system so homophobes enjoy feeling superior. They rely on the pleasure of enacting their superiority and go out of their way to resist change that would deflate their sense of supremacy. So it's not fear. It's mm. fun. It is a pleasure system. And I think mm. this this is I think that it's exactly I think transphobia is the same thing. So I think for her, this is a power trip. 
this is she gets off on having like i think this is an abuse of power is it not and yeah. i so i think that's what's partly happening here yeah i would guess it's the same for for racism too and sexism mm -hmm. and, and classism yeah yep. i never thought about that but i think you're right i think you're absolutely right and and i think it i think compounding that is that you know in the republican party right now transphobia is good for your career <laughs> you know yeah. i mean i i think mm -hmm. i think uh one of the depressing things about this story is that you know even though um you know governor Nome and her administration lost this lawsuit i think they very much won you know the 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 culture war here because the way the republican party works now you get rewarded for showing hatred towards transgender people you know, she 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 broke the rules by breaking the contract, but her constituents probably don't care about that. She cost the state, you know, three hundred thousand dollars plus lawyer fees. Her constituents probably don't care about that. Um, she her her administration was forced to issue an apology. I'm going to guess her constituents all know it was a fake apology. All they care about is that she did not something nasty to trans people, and that seems to be the only thing that that matters. You know, to the republicans these days yeah i think it's probably a mix of both fear and power because if you look at it's not all power well i guess yes yeah, some of it is power i guess like in the i'm like thinking about all the cases that haven't been a person like the bud light boycott the target backlash when they were selling pride clothing um that's not like a person that's like i think a fear of change as well kind of like i think there's a, been a big thing with the like uh, toys toys have been not getting separated now it's like a toy aisle with all the toys there's no boys toy aisle and yeah. girls toy aisle and even that kind of stuff has been being you know pushed as a bad thing you know and i think that definitely comes from from fear of change well, I think that fear of change comes from the breaking down of our hierarchical system that exists right because you have you have white cisgender men that control most of the power and then you have white cisgender women and then right it just it starts mm. going down you know the hierarchy i don't have to explain it to you and <laughs> um and so i think what would change if we all had if there was equitable rights for everybody and equal rights for everybody would be they would they would kind of loose i mean it, things would change in a way that would disrupt the hierarchical system and they would lose power mm. fact that's factual that's true that, yeah. that will happen well hey that 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 insight that uh, homophobia is like a, a pleasure-seeking system that's giving me a lot of food for thought thanks kai yeah, yeah 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 it changed my life when i read it i was like that makes so much sense so i highly recommend it the book is ties that bind I've heard of this yeah. somewhere. So, do you know when it came out? Um, I feel like I heard about it so long ago, but it, someone told me to. This was like way before I was even involved with being trans and LGBTQ community. So, has it been around for? Maybe I'm like misremembering, but I feel 2009. like. 2009. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I think somebody like in my family, maybe like my grandma read it or something. And then. Was telling me how great it was or something at some it's such a long distant memory um but the name sounds familiar like i've heard of it before i don't know yeah i highly recommend yeah all right so all do right, we want to last part yeah do we want to move on to some uh, comments okay so this is our final thing we're going to talk just a little bit about caitlin jenner and leah thomas um it's I don't particularly like to talk about Caitlyn Jenner for obvious reasons, but um, I think there is a, perhaps a lesson here to to talk about. Um, essentially, Caitlyn Jenner is co was commenting on Leah Thomas attempting to challenge a ruling from the World Aquatics that directly impacts tra trans athletes, and Jenner is essentially just saying that she's doing this because she wants to be in the public eye again and it, it, it's really not even worth reading honestly but um the, the the interesting thing is the video i think when she's talking to uh riley Gaines, which i believe is the girl who competed against 
uh, Caitlyn or not Caitlyn Jenner, sorry, Leah Thomas. Yeah, um, that is correct. And she's also right? like, I yeah, should so say she's like turf number one for United States, I would say. Um, yeah. And this like, is she's very like the J.K. Evident. Rowling of the U.S. So. Yeah. And it's very and it's so it's so it, it's interesting to me. This is why it's interesting, because she has Caitlyn Jenner on. She literally refers to Leah Thomas using he him pronouns. And then Caitlyn Jenner is using she, her pronouns to refer to Leah Thomas. And I'm just sort of like, what? Like, R Riley, this makes no sense, obviously. So th there's just, there was just a lot going on for me that was happening that, that was just, there was just a lot of hypocrite, hip hypocrisy happening. And then there was also the portion where Caitlyn Jenner plays women's golf. She was in a women's golf tournament. I wanted to bring this up. Yeah, I love this. Yeah. And she's like speaking out against trans women playing sports, like like they're not allowed to. And I'm just like, shut up, Caitlin. <laughs> what? But yeah, go 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 ahead, Miranda. I know you have a lot to say. I just, I, so for like uh, Riley Gaines has like some activist group that's anti transgender. People. It's like it's like women against trans. It's that's not. I don't know exactly what it's called. I should look it up. But she's got some group that is a like anti-trans movement so and she also actively attends like like um discussions for like like bills and hearings and stuff that are anti-transgender she likes to go to that kind of so she's very like she's preached this message like all the all the time since this whole thing has gone down to like it's kind of like her thing that kept her in the spotlight you know um and that's her aside i just more want to talk about Jenner, because it's kind of like the same cloth. It's like the the right wing grift they call it. You know, it's like the talking head. Like it's very popular these days. Like you just, but I just really get enraged by trans people that are part of this system because it's just so disgusting. It's like you benefited from this movement, and now you're standing on the backs of everyone below you saying like you know screw you i got mine and i'm done like i'm done and now i'm gonna come punch down on all of the people that are that are like trying to follow in in your footsteps basically and i think it's that's yeah, just disgusting I, yeah and i think you know there there is a phenomenon of trans people who um are trying to appeal try, trying to be on the side of the right and and position themselves in a way that's like because i think they have internalized transphobia that they have not worked through and i think unconsciously they're trying to win them over to feel better about themselves to be like accept me accept me accept me mm. right and it's like you're not you're you're barking up the wrong tree yeah, <laughs> like the... you are never going to feel accepted by these people they are never like you are you are it is it is an it is an abusive punish self punishment system for these people for, for these trans people um and it's it's unfortunate that they get stuck they get sucked into it um so it's I, definitely yeah, I a, to like that. a leopard's eat ate my face situation you know or it will it's it'll one day probably be that you know um where it's like you're hanging out with leopards and then it backfires you know you think you're one of them <laughs> exactly. but you're not you know like that's it's exactly yeah um but i don't know it's just it's just gross because you wanted to comment yeah sorry. sorry go ahead no finish no i was kind of reiterating what i said before you can go okay um, then I'll just say, I, I just wanted to say one more thing about, um, I wanted to bring up Leah Thomas because I, I think that, well, I think she's great. Um, and I think we should talk about something. Uh, I think we should talk about this a little bit because I do have people in my life and I think I'm sure there are people out there who, um, believe that trans women do not have, or do have a fair an unfair advantage over cisgender women. And, um, Leah Thomas is an example that is actually it's she does not have an unfair advantage, even though it's being reported that she does. Um, her swim times actually dropped the percentage amount difference between the fastest man and women swimmers in the NCAA. So meaning her times before she had transitioned 
were and then the times and then the times after she transitioned were compared and the difference was the same was equal to the difference between the fastest man swimmer and the fastest woman swimmer in the NCAA. I just want to like break that down in case anybody was confused. Um, and and furthermore, her fastest time because she she won this year. Her fastest time doesn't even beat the winning times of the cisgender women champs between the years 2014 to 2019. So the fact that she people are saying that she has an unfair advantage is just like factually incorrect. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up because I, I want to defend Leah Thomas here, and I I I think she should be able to swim, and I think people should stop uh, talking about should, should stop trying to um, should not get on her about this. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for tuning in to Transcastic for the week of February twelfth, twenty twenty four, and we wish you all a great week. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye.